0: Hello, oh, and welcome to Talking Talk, the podcast from the media Joining me today is TJ. Hello. Brent. Uh. And I'm Chris. And today we are going to talk about the movies that we have seen, TV shows we have seen, and our thoughts about them. We'll get into some news, maybe, if... But it's... I mean, the only news is that the Golden Globes are, you know, coming out before this.
1: And, ooh, wow, what happened? It's crazy. And then, uh... I can't believe... Insert name here. Actually, won that award. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, and then we'll talk about uh, what you should go see next weekend. Sight Unseen.
2: Uh I was thinking, like, the worst name you could pick to assume Buster Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> I can't
0: believe Judy Dench. One for cats.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Why are we dubbing. That's the best thing.
0: Yeah, because we know she's a lock. (laughs) Yeah, we can just say that.
2: Um, But anyway, hey Brent, why don't you hit us with some of the stuff that you've been watching. I'm so excited to listen to Brent's, but I'm more excited to listen to Cat's. So, let's get through this. Uh
1: in preparation for the Oscars, I've been watching terrible movies from a decade ago. So, uh, I watched a 2000 movie by director Oliver Hirschbeigel. Okay. Um, called The Invasion.
2: I uh, think I've seen The Invasion.
1: Is this the Body Snatchers remake yeah. with Nicole Kidman? It is the Body Snatchers yeah, remake. Yeah, I've seen Nicole that. Kidman, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig with uh, with weird floppy hair. That That's unnecessary.
0: This is what happens when you just woke up and you say, Oh shit, i got to record a podcast. Is it. <laughs> you write The Insavian <laughs> instead of The Invasion for the show notes. The Insavian. <laughs>
1: Uh, Jeffrey Wright is in
0: this movie. Cool, I like Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. But he's been in movies that we collectively have disliked.
1: <laughs> hmm This should be one of them. Uh, yeah, so this is, uh, if you, if you're familiar with Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's basically the same thing. It's, uh, uh, people, there's an alien virus that lands on Earth via a space shuttle crash. And, uh... It gets spread by people investigating the crash, basically. One of our space shuttles? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) It's it's not a focal point of the movie. (laughs)
0: Stop asking too many questions, DJ. No no plot details. If aliens also have
2: space shuttles, that's going to be. (laughs) Uh, Oh, we did it. It apparently
1: is the best way to travel through space. Um... It's funny, we never refer to alien craft as just anything other than just spacecraft or space shuttle or, or, or like UFO or flying yeah. saucer. But we, do, we don't call them the things we call our own.
0: Yeah. Right. Even though by the time they've gotten here, they're pretty identified. Yeah. It's yes. like, not ours.
1: <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> so anyone who uh, gets this virus uh, turns into sort of a, an emotionless drone and uh, they can intentionally spread the virus to other people by puking in their mouth. Oh.
2: Oh, yeah. Subtle. Yeah. <laughs> That's what
1: Two Girls, One Cup was about. <laughs>
2: Gross. Um, so, so. That was the fifth remake of the 1955 <laughs> novel.
1: But they only notice, they only can notice that you don't have the virus if you are. Showing emotion or sweating a lot. Uh, well Nicole Kidman's perfect to blend in with us. <laughs> um, you play yourself.
0: Emotionless and pristine.
1: And also, once Dry as a desert. Once you get the virus, it can only manifest uh, after you've gone to sleep. So the beginning of the movie starts off with Nicole Kidman frantically running through a convenience store guzzling I kid you not Mountain Dew out of a two liter bottle. Yeah. Gave of fuel. And she's just like stay away. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like guzzling it straight out of a two liter. Weird. Um Because She, eh, later in the movie, gets infected. That was
0: in the original in the
2: 50s, too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) the (laughs) new! This is before the uh, space shuttle crashes, though. She just really loves Mountain Dew and staying awake. (laughs) trying to do an all-nighter on (laughs) her
1: (laughs) new GameCube. Gotta ride the green (laughs) wave. Um... Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright is wasted in the movie. He's just like a doctor who figures it out. Who figures out like how to beat the virus or whatever. He's just like, if we can isolate the strain. It's one of those types of roles. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I feel like isolating the strain is good at any virus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should, should that, I feel like I could help with that. Hey guys, have we tried isolating the strain yet?
1: Oh, uh, why, idiot? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. I, never, I didn't get past that. <laughs> what are you going to do, bully it? <laughs> anyway... Um. <laughs> Daniel Craig just plays a guy Who she's she's like With with That's it Nothing interesting about him Nothing interesting about this movie And it's, really That's that's the thing about a movie
0: Where The worst thing that happens to you Is you become emotionless and There's probably nothing interesting About a lot of the menace of it Yeah Except I remember the ad for it Being really kind of freaky Because it shows people In like A big crowd One by one Walking off the roof
1: of a building To kill themselves no? Not this movie? That is... M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening. No.
2: No, there's a movie that he's talking about.
1: I know, yeah. I know what you're talking like about.
2: Like, with Nicole Kidman in it. Where she's blonde? Maybe. I think that's the one you're talking about. It's like... Something not out of sight, because I know that's a good movie. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about. There's a movie where Nicole Kidman plays a blonde person. And, like, I think the virus in that one is when you see it. So she's blind, so she's, like, the savior, or whatever. One of those
1: movies... <laughs> <laughs> you know, ugh. we call them bird boxes. Yeah, nothing that interesting happens in this movie. Like, this is just uh, people continue going to work. Okay, um, they do stand there and just stare, stare. It's a lot of staring. It's a, it's oh, almost wow. a great concept if you have people who can't act, <laughs> because then it's just, hey, stand, can you just stand there and be awake and just look? Kind of like an
2: American Yorgos Lanthimos
1: <laughs> written movie. Yeah. It's like, it matter who you get. You want going to be monotone the entire time. It is very monotone. Um, yeah, Nicole Kimmon's a poor choice for this role in that kind of movie because she's supposed to be the person who's struggling to hold it together. And um, I don't know. She doesn't? No. And then there's also this aspect of it's like her son holds the key to solving the virus. So good, it's um, Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> she misfired for Loco. No. Uh, anyway, it's pretty bad. So, so do, I, they, do they win? Yeah. All right, so I'm
0: seeing that that James McTeague was an assistant director on this movie. Uh, James McTeague. He has been assistant director on many films, including Dark City, great. The Matrix trilogy, great. <laughs> And Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, <laughs> directorial hey. debut was V for Vendetta, oh. but James McTeague and the uh, other guy, uh, the whose name I can only pronounce anti-Semitically, uh, Herschweigel? yeah, look like uh, look like clones of each other. See, there's James McTeague,
2: and hold on, oh, I blew it. Uh, no,
1: it's an audio medium, Chris. Wow, they look
2: exactly alike. Oh, they do look exactly like. <laughs> <Weird.
1: Yeah. laughs> First, Michael um, directed "Downfall," the uh, supposedly great, like Hitler uh, movie of the early, the two thousands. The one that spawned the Hitler meme vi- video meme. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah.
2: Um, I just realized that I enjoy all the names they've given to adaptations of the bo- the novel "The Body Snatchers." <laughs> It was Invasion of the Body Snatchers twice, then it was Body Snatchers, then it was Body Space Snatchers. <laughs> and then it was, what's this one called? The Invasion. The Invasion. The invasion. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're hitting all the hot points. Of the, it's going to be original. the next one of the...
1: Of the... Uh, well, have you seen any watched, of the other ones? No, I've never okay. seen any right. of the others. Uh, but... Well, Gotta that, be better. The old <laughs> ones are just like... So, I feel like that's like a movie you don't... And I hate to say it, like, you don't have to see to, like, get, because... I feel like I grew up hearing about those movies so much that, like, like the Blob, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like I get the gist of those movies without having actually. They're not. Seen. I've never seen them on any like thousand movies
2: to see before you die. They're never on that. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I watched a 2008 movie by director Pete Travis. Um, I think the directors being people we're not hearing about anymore. <laughs> It's a common it's a, it's a good tell. It's a common thread among these. All right, let's see if you can guess the movie based on the tagline. Eight strangers, eight points of view, one truth. What year? 2008. Oh, it's the movie with Matthew Fox. It is the movie Matthew it's, Fox. And Dennis Quaid. And Dennis Quaid. Uh, I watched it. It's called I have no idea Point what One of you? View? Vantage Point. <laughs> uh, Dennis Quaid, Matthew Fox, Forrest Walker. Oh, I've seen this movie too. Sigourney like Weaver. Presidential assassination, something or other. William Hurt. Zoe Saldana is in this movie. Um yeah, I mean, if you have problems with too much shit going on in Star Wars, this movie. <laughs> yeah. So this movie um yeah, it's bad. It's a bad movie. But um, there are elements of it, because it is, really, it's like eight different stories of the same story. I right. could be way wrong here, and I will just take your word
2: for it. I seem to remember thinking Matthew Fox was okay in this movie, when I watched it.
1: He's... Like, better than normal Matthew Fox? He... I think that guy... I think I think Matthew Fox is a pretty good actor who's just been... Who just can't make the right decisions on what movies to be
2: in. God, when was he, was he the villain in one of the uh, Alex Cross movies? Yeah, and so I was it's, just
0: like
1: that. Looks totally unbelievable. Oh uh, no, you are thinking about you
0: are thinking about Speed Racer where he's Racer X, uh, yeah, where he's the villain to. in that movie. Yeah,
1: <laughs> never seen that, but I've heard that movie's great. <laughs> you,
0: sh- you should see it. It's it's diff- it's White is uh, it's crazy. Is weird. Yeah, it's all the people who are like, oh, secretly that movie's really good. It got pains. People don't understand. Like, no, if you go into it fully understanding what Speed Racer can and could be, uh, it's still a bizarre movie. Um.
1: Anyway, <laughs> vantage point. He's okay in this. Okay. Uh so, he's a Secret Service agent. Dennis Quaid is also a Secret Service agent. It's about this uh, summit, this uh, thing in Spain where... He's the veteran. Or one last hoorah of Secret Service agent, Sort of. <laughs> um, one last service. This is like Rashomon plus In the Line of Fire minus any sort of talent in okay. writing the movie. So um, fun algebra so, to follow. Uh, yeah, so the, the basic plot is William Hurt plays president. He is... Uh, supposed to give this speech in Spain a few weeks after a, a terrorist attack there. And it's supposed to be tightening up our, our war on terror and like, like going after terrorists and whatnot. So, um, he is shot in the first few minutes of the movie. The movie starts with Sigourney Weaver's point of view. She's a, she's a, a news lady in a van, uh, with a reporter on scene. And that's Zoe Saldana. And, uh, Their actually interactions are actually pretty good. For the first 15 20 minutes of this, I was like, this might be a good movie and then boy, it just they just they have eight stories they want to tell and about three of them are any good. <laughs> um, Forrest Whitaker plays a tourist, an American tourist who is obsessed with documenting everything on his camera, even to the point where after he's just been uh, you know witnessed a presidential assassination and been feet away from a massive bombing, he still has the energy, Forrest Whitaker, to run through the streets of Spain with uh, his camcorder filming police chases.
0: Uh, I thought he'd be running with it, pointing to himself, being like, yo, what up, this is Howie, I'm still in Spain. Like <laughs> below. Ring that bell. He does
1: not have that kind of energy. He's just a sad man who's who had a fight with his wife, so naturally he flew to Spain so without was, her. So this was bad Forrest Whitaker and not great Force Whitaker? Because you only get two counts of
2: Forrest Whitaker. Amazing
1: or awful. This is... I feel like doing his best Forrest Whitaker in a part that is just horrible. Okay, um, there are twists in this movie that are completely ridiculous. Uh, but one of my, the funniest things about this movie is uh, Dennis Quaid is basically the Clint Eastwood type character from In the Line of Fire, except with one one big change. He's struggling to get. He's like this is his like first day back. Uh, because he was really good at his job and saved the president by taking a bullet like a year earlier. Okay. It's like, well, I don't think you understood what was so fascinating about Clint Eastwood's character in, in The Line of Fire. Right. It was because he failed to get to right. Kennedy.
0: <laughs>
1: this guy's just like the best Secret Service agent on the planet. And then for the last 40 minutes of this movie, I don't know, bullets just like bounce off his chest or something. <laughs> it's like a Superman type guy. I do remember being like, at the beginning of this movie, being like, you've seen it, right? Yeah. And you're like, uh, it's Matthew Fox. <laughs> yeah. He's a <the> bad guy. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> Do I need to keep watching? Nope, you got it. <laughs> also, the the uh, terrorist bad guys, well, they introduce this new character halfway through, and he's super friendly to Forrest Whitaker. It's just like, oh, that guy's bad. <laughs> Why is that guy showing up and being really nice? Uh, the terrorists lose because they, they ultimately... Kidnap the president, because they have to kidnap the president, because... That's how you shoot him. um, No, they shot the double.
2: There's a presidential
1: double who was going to give a speech. And um, the real president was back at the hotel the whole time. But the terrorists knew it all along. So they go to kidnap the president, and they're willing to bomb a plaza, kidnap the president, kill lots of people... But do you know what undoes it for them? As they're escaping the city in a van, a little girl who Forrest Whitaker uh, saw eating ice cream earlier in the day is standing in the street, and they will not drive over that little girl <laughs> to finish their terrorist plans. So they flip their fucking van <laughs> and uh, to avoid hitting the one little girl. I'm reading this book now called No
2: Exit. It's about a girl who gets stranded in a rest area in Denver with, and she finds a little girl Kidnapped in a van in the parking lot of the rest area. So she's trying to figure out inside the rest area who kidnapped the girl. Yeah, And I had a great idea for a movie that's somehow never been made. Which is pretty much that movie. But you have three actors in there. And you're trying to figure out which one is the bad guy. Played by like William Fichtner, Jason Isaacs, and like <laughs> Peter Stormare. <They> <laughs> all, all people. They were guys. always bad guys. And the audience
1: had <laughs> no idea what's going on. Uh, vantage Point... Has moments where it's entertaining. I like, I said, I like the Sigourney Weaver stuff. Forrest Whitaker is okay, I guess. Uh, it's just too too much going on. I, yeah, I love a lot.
0: I love this quote on Wikipedia from uh, the San Francisco Chronicle about the movie Vantage Point is at its best in the early going when it focuses on the Secret Service agent whom Quaid plays with the intensity of a man trying to blast through doubt and fear by staying very very angry. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is. Uh, Dennis Quaid does a lot of grimacing in this movie, um, even when there's, even before anything happens. He's just very frowny. He's a very frowny dude, and uh, it's a ridiculous story the way the plot unfolds. But I don't recommend it. It's better than that than the invasion though. Because <laughs> that was Sounds just like yeah. horribly boring. So. Um, that's mostly it for me, but there is a TV show season that I recently finished that I don't think we've talked about as a group yet, and I think we've all finished it. Do we want to talk about The Mandalorian? Mando! Mando! Mando, who, they gotta stop calling him that all the time, because I'm gonna start thinking that's his name. <laughs> his name is Din Djarin, as we found out. Yeah. In the last oh, yeah, episode. that's right. We see his face, finally. Finally, proof that he... Uh, is showing up to in set. The, in that scene. <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, what did you think about the the first season of Disney's the Mandalorian TJ? Uh, it was done
2: really well, episode to episode. Um, filmed really well. I even like the like stories to the story a lot. They were done well. yeah. Um, I feel like even through the finale though, I just never cured. A lot about the characters. Yeah. Um, they kept trying to and I think they, they tried hard at the in, in episode nine, ten, Eight. the finale. But uh to kind of tie everything together and they didn't really do it for me. I mean it's great. I don't wanna like shit on it. I think it was done really well. Right. But it's just it felt a lot like
1: Force Awakens
2: in a very like that was played close to the chest. Kinda way. Mm -hmm.
1: Well it's not to that show doesn't take very many like dramatic risks. There's not a lot of almost zero. Right. It's just uh hey, you like Westerns? And that's kinda all it is. It's just uh it's like an old fashioned Western T V show where it's just like a a new bandit this week, a new villain this week, and it's just something that our our gunslinger hero has to do this week. Yeah, like even this
2: last episode where like I G eleven dies. Yeah. And it's just like I've seen them bad ones,
0: right? Well, yeah, and he has like kind of a cool triumphant moment, but that's what it is. It's the moment. It's not like, like you thinking gonna, like, about the past and
1: future of
2: this character. Right. The score made me feel like I should be more sad about him dying,
1: and I was not. Yeah, well, we've kind of already. Yeah, the, the the problem with that they're they're not going to have um, yeah they're not going to have emotional weight to side characters dying because. I think this show is training us to not expect him to ever be around for long. Yeah. Because he moves he moves along and he moves on so easily that we don't expect, anytime a new person comes on the screen, we think, okay, maybe we'll get them for two or three episodes or something. Right. That's going to be it. We have no illusions about who the, who the cast is because the cast is two characters. Right. It's Din Djarin and it's uh, maybe the either. child. Yeah. Yeah. So, when there are only two characters... Those are the only two characters who can emotionally hurt us in any way. Yeah, I, I did...
0: I, mean, I didn't like that the death of Quill was kind of played between the two finale episodes. Yeah. I feel like if... And this is going to be a theme when talking about Star Wars from my perspective today. But I feel like if they would have put it in the middle of the episode and kind of let it breathe a little bit. Like, let... First of all, I get that for the mechanics of it, they can't really have anyone react because the only person out there is the emotionless assassination droid. But, like, there's no one there to find him. And then when they do finally build the cairn and bury him, there's no, like, there's no pause, there's no reflection, there's no anything, like, with weight that they do. And maybe that's because Mando's got a helmet on the whole time. You can't see any emotion. You can't see him emoting at all. I think the most emotional part of the whole series is when he does take his helmet off and he has the moment with the IG droid in the, like, old cantina, the old guild headquarters, whatever it was. Because that's also,
2: like, some old Western shit. I know me and Brent have seen more of those than you, but you've seen enough to know, like, that's some, like, racist, I hate Indians or Mexicans or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, like, coming to grips with one saving your life. That is a common theme in Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah.
1: Oh, his, uh, yeah, his attitude towards droids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, But, yeah, and then, like, the, the other parts of it that I kind of didn't like, probably just because they didn't land, were, I feel like it was a little, like, every time we saw the flashback from his home planet and it showed, like, the bombing that happened, whatever the fuck was going on there... You just knew that those flashbacks were only there so that they can justify some reveal in the finale. And that it felt a little um it felt a little storyboard to me to just like only include those so that they can pay off the oh, but then he was saved by a Mandalorian. Like all I want for them to do is is lay those tracks by saying it's part of their code if you discover an orphan that you have to raise it. And then like those flashbacks to me Makes so much sense. Like I, not that I need to predict something to happen, but it needs to not be Deus Ex Machina for it to like make sense. Like I don't give a shit. that As a kid, he was saved by a Mandalorian, and the only way you're gonna show me is through these choppy flashbacks throughout the course of six episodes, and then like a minute longer flashback later on that like I don't know if he went into a fugue state to experience.
1: Another issue with that is that like so that. That flashback exists to show us why he he took the child. Right. But we never questioned why he took the child. No. We didn't know. The child helped him with the the bull thing out on the planet, and he took a liking to it because it's cute, and he just had an affinity for it.
0: Or you just assume that he has some kind of moral compass and is sympathetic fucking at all. Like, that's, that's all that I need to know. It's mm-hmm. like if someone was like, well, in a movie, was like, well... I'm not going to kill this guy, because here's what killing's wrong. It's like, no, I get it already.
1: Yeah.
2: It's his he even touched good. on that a little bit when he saw the other Mandalorians, and he talked about it's not a fair fight, it was an honorable, like, win, or
1: whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and how, like, it's also the Empire, this is the days after the Return of the Jedi, so, like, well, not days, but a few years the after period. that, so... Yeah. Uh, stormtroopers are named
0: after like a Nazi regiment. Like yeah. I don't need to know that stormtroopers are bad. So right.
1: yeah, so that's it's. I didn't like the the constant flashbacks to the it's also the same shot from the flashbacks over and over again through the first season. Yeah. They have him looking through the the as the great closes on yeah. top of them. Um That being said, and I do think these are valid very valid criticisms. Um I really like the finale. And I thought it was a good, I love the action of it. And I think they actually, it actually does a better job than any other episode of setting up sort of a series arc. Which is, uh, rather than him just meandering yeah. for, for most of the season, uh, the go find this child's people. Right. I think is an interesting concept, even if there aren't any of those people still around. It, gives, it sets a goal up for the series, which is something interesting
2: yeah I was kind of eye roly the beginning of it I do agree the action was better in that episode I think than it was in other episodes uh, maybe since the Mandalorian rescue mm. the yeah. rescue of all the Mandalorians yeah action was better over the first few episodes yeah. of the season yeah. Yeah. but uh, I got a little eye roly when they rolled out the cannon and explained what the canon was and I was like fucking mini Death Star that's all we can do <laughs> it's like well this is a canon that can blow up the place you're in it's like fuck <laughs> stop it <laughs> It's... you got a whole army out there. We don't need a cannon.
0: I understand that regular guns are just really small Death Stars. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did explain that gun, and after the explanation, I was like, "So it's a gun? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just a big gun. It's it's a, a, oh, it's a good gun. It's, <laughs> <laughs> this one will accurately fire. <laughs> Doesn't I did like, this. except
2: it's not a good gun because it takes eight hours to put together. <laughs> Why did you build it all the way? It's not that huge.
0: <laughs> I I did like the joke of the stormtroopers can't hit anything when it's the two guys on the two scout
2: troopers that on was the speeder bikes. Hilarious. Everything
1: about the two. Is, to by uh storm, storm bikers yeah <laughs> are, were fantastic yeah jason was... sudeikis was excellent yeah it was great
0: it's i didn't need to see that this one was directed by taika waititi
2: to know like oh okay yeah <laughs> those are good taika waititi jokes yeah
1: i mean constantly punching baby yoda in the face is <laughs> something that a lot of people probably really hated i loved it it's one of my favorite parts of the whole season <laughs> really good
0: Instead <laughs> just the one I keep saying like,
1: let me see it <laughs> <laughs> who's the other one do we know it's a uh, it's a guy who was in uh, I think he's in that show you liked um, with uh, uh, this, I'm going to sound like somebody's mom here <laughs> that show you liked with the girl from 24 the daughter from 24 oh the one
2: me and your wife liked yes uh, in Chicago For your name I would know Happy Endings <laughs> Happy Endings okay I was like the Mah! guy who plays the, the gay guy in that I don't, I don't. Well, it's know. not Damon Wayans Jr., <laughs> so there's a rule out one.
0: Ooh, and this Adam is where something? Greg Google? Yeah, happy it's ending. the kind of
2: chubbier guy. Yeah,
1: uh, yes.
2: Yeah. The other it's Damon Wayans Jr. A guy nobody knows. Adam Pally.
1: Okay. It's yeah. Adam Pally. Well, nobody knows. Uh, by the nobody, I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was really really funny. Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah, a good finale to a strong, uh, first go for a live action. Yeah, Star Wars series.
0: It's it's a bold strategy to me, though, that if we're meant to believe that they've set up the series arc for season two or for the rest of the series, that we're just supposed to sit with season one as like, oh no no no, guys, trust me, we're gonna do something with all this. Like that's that feels a little like. I mean, I know that they can do whatever the fuck they want with it. They don't. They're not beholden to anyone. Um, And the number of people who are canceling their Disney Plus subscriptions now is proof of their ratings that they can't really quantify. But like it, it feels like, did you guys watch the Witcher or have any of you started the Witcher? No. So like the, the Witcher kind of tells this like nonlinear story about this guy who is known throughout the land for being this badass, both from the perspective of him being kind of unknown, like earlier in time. And then later on when he is like really well known and they kind of meet in the middle somewhere. Uh, but there's a device with it that makes sense, which is there's a bard who kind of travels with him, um, who he's not expecting, which is why you see all this stuff about toss a coin to your witcher being a catchy song and like an earworm. But that makes sense to me where like, okay, we're going to tell these like discreet stories about this guy who becomes famous. And then now his legend has been built. But with this, it feels like we're seeing all the stories of how the Mandalorian becomes like legendary, but there's nothing that really pieces it together yet. Um, and I'm really hoping for early on in season two that thing existing. Like, I don't under like I don't understand how news is traveling of right. the Mandalorians because at a certain point the legend of a Mandalorian can only go so far, mm-hmm. and that like this particular Mandalorian maybe it's because of how much Beskar plating he has, but like I want to know like how any of this. How any of these preceding stories make up the individual roots to the tree that is the Mandalorian's narrative? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I guess that's 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 my complaint kind of as the overarching because I kept buying into Oh, we got some details, like maybe we're gonna get the rest of the season's plot, and then we didn't.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I got a little perturbed at the end of the season of just like, why is it whatever Yoda is? Yeah. Like, was that just like Shitty fan service because it really doesn't matter. It could have been anything, you know what I mean? It I was kind of hoping we'd get something about that because I and you talked in the first episode. It was like, oh, that's a great piece of the Star Wars like Skywalker saga to introduce here because it doesn't have to tie in, but it does enough to make you be like, oh, cool, that's that species we don't know anything about. And then like, I wonder if they're gotten to the end of the season and their Favreau was just like, fuck, we forgot I to <laughs> say. I don't know what to do with this. It was a good idea and it doesn't have an ending. Like, if they're going to introduce a thing we don't know about, tell me something about that thing. Don't just be like, remind me that I don't fucking know anything about it. You know what I mean? Right. And that's a fucking nitpicky complaint, but it's a complaint.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see the show take some risks narratively down the road. It's a very safe show for the first season. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like, what do we know people are going to not have a problem with? Action. Good action, yeah, and yeah. cute kids, yeah, yeah, <laughs> those are going to go over really well, and they did go over really well, and they're entertaining every time you watch it. Like, yeah. every, even the worst episodes of the season, which maybe the prison break might be my least favorite, or maybe the uh, the Bill
2: Burr episode, oh, yeah, probably my least
1: favorite, too. Yeah, it's like, but even that, it's in the moment of watching it. I'm fully engaged. I'm, yeah. I'm watching every. It's a Star
2: Wars movie. I'll fucking watch them forever. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, from that aspect, it's a good show. It's just you, you. There's so much potential here because of the talent that's in this in these writers' rooms for it to be something great, something you know higher than it is. And I think they certainly have some aspirations to do that. I think, but they're. I think. I think. Star Wars and uh I don't know. Star Wars is an interesting franchise right now with how they are operating and making decisions and it's a interesting franchise
2: throughout its existence, in my <laughs> opinion. Yeah. It is a bizarre thing.
1: So I, I was
0: making the argument with people that like if you don't like The Last Jedi and you don't like this newest movie, then it is time for you to like tuck your head between your knees and admit to the world that Star Wars is a bad movie <laughs> franchise. And if you're not comfortable with that, then you just, like, you've lost the plot.
2: I mean, I still think it has to be good or bad.
0: No, I'm not saying that, but, like, like how you make me rank things and add star ratings to things. It yeah. was that kind of conversation I was having with someone. Right. Like, you can't say that it is the best all-time movie franchise and then say that you hate five of the movies. Oh, uh, it's not close.
2: <laughs> yeah, no. But, I mean, I think it was not close before nine came out Yeah. Either, you know? Like, and Harry Potter's way better than Star Wars if you're looking at, like... Totality. Total... Yeah, Metacritic scores, if I was, you know, Metacritic. Mm-hmm. I'm ranking all the movies on one to a hundred. Harry Potter blows Star Wars out of the fucking water because it didn't have three movies that sucked, you know? hmm Yeah. But, again... This is the way. Do we want to segue into that? I know you, you're... you Wait, Brent's done, right? Sorry. I didn't want to skip you. I guess I'm... Yeah. <laughs> but, and I know Chris watched... Uh, I keep forgetting what this fucking movie is called. The Rise of Skywalker. The
1: Rise of Skywalker. I I thought it was called Rise of the Skywalker for about three months.
0: So did I. (laughs) But I guess they couldn't fit all that in the right size font underneath (laughs) the word star and above the word wars. Um, Yeah, so I saw this movie recently. um, And... Yeah, it's a... (sighs) It's a movie. (laughs) Confirmed. My number one complaint, which I will just fire across the bow now, is it's about two hours and 27 minutes, if I the actual runtime. but I think that's on. Yeah. Um, and for the first about hour and 45 minutes, you never stop to like see anyone's face to respond to the things that are happening around them. Everything is so wooden and strange, and yeah. pushed forward in a way that feels like a fucking freight train, and then it finally crashes into the planet that has the Death Star on it, and it breathes a little bit and becomes watchable. Yeah. And people are saying, like, release the JJ Cut, and there's a like conspiracy theories. I don't give a shit if the JJ Cut is out there, because I know that there are cuts out there where there it's three and a half hours long, and... There's just all the same scenes, but there's just, like, a minute before and a minute after dialogue happens where you watch someone and you see their face and you can feel the words go in their ears and, like, their brain process the things that are happening and not just, like, hey, Finn, we have to go to this planet. We have to go to this planet. Okay. Like, wipe. And then we're on the planet. And then, like, now we're on the planet. Oh, they have a festival here. They have a festival here. Here's a festival. What's the thing we need to get? The spaceship. Where's the spaceship? They're at the spaceship. Like, let's fucking slow down. This is not an Aaron Sorkin TV drama. Like, you don't need to walk and talk everything. You don't need to, like, punch dialogue in at every opportunity. People can like. No one has time to act. Ever. And it's just it's a waste of production design. It's a waste of CGI. It is a waste of all of the money they spent getting those actors back because they don't fucking need them there. They just need, like, someone to deliver, like, dialogue over top of a montage because that's all the first hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes is. And it's
1: wildly frustrating. I agree. They go to so many places <laughs> in this movie. You know, like, uh, Star Wars has three sections: there's Tatooine, Death Star, Trench Run. Trench run is pretty short, but it's mostly two movie, like two halves of the movie. Right, Empire is, you know, Hoth, Dagobah, Bespin, yeah, Return of the Jedi, is Tatooine, and Endor, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. But Endor is split into Endor and Death Star, right. so it's two told concurrently. Uh, this movie is like I don't know the list would be like twelve long of things that like sections of this movie. Yeah, and so as a result, I don't I have trouble remembering all of them. Well, my. my Except and, for the ones I disliked most.
0: And, and the point of Jason's that, it's like if somebody was like, yeah, 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 fuck the Last Jedi. We don't care what happens there. We'll talk about it a little bit in the new movie. But that Canto Bite thing you guys did, can we do that, but the whole movie? <laughs> yeah. Because that, like, one off planet that they told the irrelevant story in is the whole movie. Up until they get to the planet with, uh, is it C- Cynthia Erivo. Yeah. And uh, and the, the Crash Death Star. Until they get there, it seems like they, they show the map that Ray takes to get to Spooky Planet. And it's like, that's the metaphor for the movie. Right there. <laughs> like, we found something that drew some bullshit map and we're going to follow that.
1: I actually would like to see the story of the uh, weirdo who crafted the secret map onto a dagger that only works if you're standing in a certain place on a cliff. On Endor.
0: That I don't think was crashed when they made the dagger. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe it, was, maybe it was. But I don't care. Like, that's, that's the thing. That, like, I can't point to one thing in the plot I'm mad at. Because the thing that I'm mad at in the plot is that the amount of shit that they did meant that it crowded out the ability for there to be any time to, like reflect i mean the like the, the most iconic shot in star wars and correct me if i'm wrong is luke standing in front of the twin sons on tatooine yes. and, and they repeat it but like that's not what i'm complaining about is and that is just like a few minutes long while credits starts to roll i think maybe not credits start to roll but like the music starts to swell or it's like young luke staring off into the distance like there's none of that right and it's so frustrating
1: yeah, and that's the thing that, like, J.J. did so well with Force Awakens is you have those moments with Rey on Jakku where she's just, like, quietly exploring the, the mm-hmm. downed at With Finn after the attack on Jakku. You get a lot of that, too.
2: Yeah. Him, like, walking around the spaceship before he escapes with Poe. Oh, you yeah. You get a lot of silent acting from
1: yeah. John Boyega. And that moment where Rey, like, eats dinner by herself in her... You just get... That's like, oh, yeah, I mean, they are stealing... With the, with the helmet on? Yeah, you're, yeah, they're stealing beats from Star Wars, the original, but it's it's in a good way. it's it's They're good beats. They're good, helpful. like They tell us that Rey lives a very lonely, secluded life here on this desolate planet, and we understand why she yearns for something more. We understand her motivations in The Force Awakens. Um, this movie introduces a very big element of Rey's story... And we see it affect her in no discernible way. She doesn't give a shit. She, there's no time for her to process it. because right. it's gotta move on to the next thing. Yeah. so it makes which tells me that it tells us one thing that that is for audiences to be like,, <gasps> yeah. not for character development.
0: Yeah, which which I'm fine with because that's kind of been Star Wars's trope. <clears throat> the whole like, Your parentage is something that you can't control, and your ancestors are evil. It's like, yeah, we know this. This is the story that Star Wars, the original trilogy, told. And, like, fine. Yeah, Yeah, I've got no
1: problem with the story. they But created this, well, yeah, I guess I have no trouble with the outline, I suppose. Yeah. Um, But the, uh... But the way that they process it is bullshit. Right, because you actually get to see it affect Luke.
2: I mean, I think it affects Rey, though. Doesn't that why she goes to isolation? She wants to go isolate herself like Luke did. Because she found out Palpatine was her dad and then she used Force Race to kill Chewie. So she goes, she's going to go into isolation. I don't
0: think she'd, f- had she found out that Palpatine was her dad yet?
2: Yeah, Driver told her before that. Uh, but yeah. I'm just saying like, you yeah, don't get she- to see her, you don't get to see it affect her with acting. But I think it does affect her in a yeah, lot in the, of the movie.
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean it's. So when did, did they get a retriever at some point?
0: No, she he, she gets the X wing from the milk booby planet. Luke pulls uh-huh. it out because Luke, Luke that's all he does now is just lift that one X wing up and <laughs> down.
2: Yeah, Luke. She sees Luke, talks to Luke when she's on she the throws, planet. She goes to isolate herself where Luke did, and Luke convinces her she's wrong for doing that.
0: Doing the thing that every Jedi Master has done. (laughs) No, like I
2: said, I'm not giving any props to the execution of the film at all. No, I I agree with everything y'all are saying about that. You're you're pointing
0: out the note that they actually did. There is a there was a device in
2: somebody's mind for it to affect her. Yeah, and they put that in the movie. They just did a bad job with it.
1: Yeah. The so instead of we don't really instead of us seeing like a struggle like an internal struggle, we're just told we're just (laughs) she's just like. I'll just go over here and sit in the corner. I'm
0: I sad. Know. I went to the sad planet that He's the other sad guy went to yeah. uh, when he did sad things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think that's, that's, I said earlier. Really, I think that's probably my main point with it is it is a frustrating movie. Um,
1: also, I don't quite understand what Palpatine is, his plan is in this movie.
0: I think that there's some special wizard magic that would have taken over if she would have killed him out of rage. The same way that there was special wizard magic that that happened after he was killed. That, like, killed all of the Sith, somehow. <clears throat>
2: yeah, I don't... I'm not going to start here being like, wait, this is bullshit. Right. <laughs> because, like, I was also told there are only two Siths, so I don't understand, was Darth Ball not a Sith in, like, Clone Wars, the TV show? And also, like... Like, there's just... There's all kinds of fucked up shit right, 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 and fantasy right, right. shit, just like there is in Lord of the Rings or anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I feel like starting now with... I don't know. I feel like I'm. If I start doing that, I feel like I'm all the people I was bitching at watching the Last Jedi. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you can't do that. It's like I don't know what the fuck they can do. There's a a difference. They didn't tell me good though. They didn't didn't explain it well. Whatever it was.
1: This is yeah. This is still like a drama. Like it's still a movie. And so like, I think there's a difference between being like bombs don't work like that, and just being like this character's choices don't make sense. Yes. And like like
0: Palpatine's plan should be something that.
1: We is, get, and we fear. Yeah.
0: That should be I mean, something we never have. I mean, on, on a lot, there's a lot of stuff true. in good
2: movies that we don't understand. <clears throat> and that's all my point is.
0: Yes. It's, it's the universe building that they've had eight movies to do, and by the time we get to the ninth movie, and we find out that the big bad is the same big bad from the first six movies, <clears throat> we are... Like, I almost would have rather had like a 007 style villain monologue to be like, yes, yeah, so and then when you strike me down, like you will become the emperor and we'll blah, blah, blah. Right. But it was just like the whole you will rule the world and kill me now. That connection wasn't there, but fine. it's It's everything before that is the problem when they want a movie that's short enough. That they don't that they push into that time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you think of the time of a movie as real estate, like we've spent so much on this hundred acre lot saying, like, oh, and this is going to be the driveway. But then you get to the house and it's fucking tiny. Like, I I just want some of it to be like, fleshier, weightier, like, slow down a little bit. People would probably be less mad at, like, the weird kiss if there's, like, more time that that uh, Ray and Kylo get, or we have to call him Ben now, you know, uh, can do their, like, weird, like, mind palace shit and, like, talk to each other about their motivations or, you know.
2: It felt way out of place because there was no time for me to get there in my head before it happened. Yeah. This happened and I was like, "What?"
0: Or like, <laughs> wait, <laughs> fan on his sabotage mission, like Let's, like, leave room for him to explain to Ray that the question he wanted to ask her is, like, can you be Force-sensitive
2: but not a Jedi? And her go, hmm, interesting question. I don't know. Me and Brent. Brent told me about that and figured it out, like, days after we saw the movie. And I was like, that makes a lot more sense. I probably could have figured it out if they would have, like, given me a second.
1: Yeah. (laughs) the movie. So, it makes it, the way it's done, it makes it seem like he's wanting to tell her he loves her. Yeah. Absolutely
2: absolutely what we both thought.
1: 100%. And it's, like. That's irritating, especially in a movie where Finn's uh, only romantic, only like real romantic interest from the whole trilogy gets 76 seconds of screen time.
0: Gets, which, you mean Rose? Yeah. 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 Gets jar jarred back on whatever jungle planet. They
1: can say, they can say all they want that like, they're like, oh, we weren't trying to really sideline Rose. They a hundred percent were because not only did, not only do they keep her doing She's like, oh, I got. It. I would love to go with you on this adventure, but I have to read these books. <laughs> and it's just like, not only that, they create a new character to sit around in the same area, so Dominic Monaghan can take some of those lines instead of just like the just like the interact with Princess Leia stuff, right? right? I mean, if they didn't want to sideline Rose, why are you introducing a new character who's going to stay in the same place as Rose? And, yeah, and. Speak exp- expository yeah, lines. cut lines with her.
0: Yeah, so the, the the Finn question is especially troubling to me because the device with which in the plot they show that he can't ask her the question is he doesn't have enough time. And I don't understand why no one stopped in the editing day and went, oh, wait, he's talking about this movie and not about, like, the action that he didn't have time to ask her the question. Like, the his opportunity to ask her is because they're going from a to b to c to d to e to f to g instead of just like a to b mm-hmm. to c i don't know what i would cut and i wouldn't cut anything because i didn't like the way it functioned but i don't like the result that like nothing has any impact like fine do the stupid fucking dagger do the weird like t- triangle computers like do all of that but like I don't know, cut back to the forest plant less, or like, like do something to make this feel like a Star Wars movie, and not like a Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah. Anyway, frustrating movie. <laughs> it was. It was. But I watched another movie. What'd you watch? Only the most talked about movie of 2019. <laughs> jellicle cats Jellicle cats. I saw cats in theaters. Ugh. Had to catch it before it left. Was it everything you hoped it would be? Uh, Yes? Yeah. <laughs> so, like... You know, don't put your hand in the garbage disposal, right? Because you know that... You know what'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everyone who went to this movie went, What the fuck was that? Like, hadn't ever like pondered the thought of what happens when you put your hand in the garbage disposal. But this is... Having seen the musical on DVD, I know I'm not a true fan, uh, twice because my wife's an insane person uh, and loves the franchise, uh, which you can call it a franchise now.
2: Ugh, (laughs) Um,
0: It is. I I refuse. It is everything as weird and uh, nonsense as the musical is, and people who were not expecting the worst need to recalibrate their expectations on everything.
2: Um, <laughs> just life.
0: yeah, if this one threw you for a loop, then you're the biggest fucking patsy. <laughs> um, yeah, it is a, it is a wild, wild thing. Uh, the, the one popular criticism that I will agree with is I really like Idris Elba's characters, design, macavity. He's like the bad guy. Okay. He's like, he's the dark wizard of the, of the crew. I'm never going to say the word cats because that's what makes it ridiculous. Okay. Um, But so, like, the whole movie, he's wearing this, like, pork pie hat. And he's got this, like, jewelry on. And he's got this big fur coat. And he's always kind of lurking in the background. His face has got scars on it. And then it's like, oh, cool. And he's, like, you know, kidnapping people. And then, that's great. But then in the finale, he takes all of his clothes off. And it's just...
2: Does he have a cat (laughs)
0: wiener? No. But it's just... (laughs) It's just super unsettling that, like... This whole time he's, like, you know, covered up, like, wearing clothes, which ostensibly cats don't need to do, because we've seen, like, (sighs) we've seen Jenny Anydots Dots and for Jones not wearing clothes, and, like, been fine with it, but then, you know.
1: It's like seeing Donald Duck without a shirt or whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mickey Mouse without pants. You're like, you are objectively naked now. (laughs) Um, It's
1: funny, right before you... Uh, accurately said the names of those two cat characters from this play, I could feel the weight of your life's decisions all, like, flashing before your eyes. It's like, so, this is where I'm at in life. I know the cats from Cats. Um,
0: (laughs) it, It was made worse by the fact that there was clearly a group that was, like, fresh off of, like, out of class from high school who showed up, who, anytime anything happened, the guy behind me went... Bro, what? And anytime that, like, there was something, like, there's some unnerving shit in here. Like, there are mice that are all played by children, which are, like, microscopic in scale. Oh. And there are, like, cockroaches, which are the same size. Um, and
1: are cats? N- uh... Oh, as the
2: mice. Well, he said he wasn't going to say cats. They said it just, oh, but kidnaps people. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> like, you were actual interested. people? Or other cats. Other cats. Um, okay, good. Because that would be horrifying. But there's
0: unsettling stuff. And every time something like that would happen, the another guy b- behind us would go, What? I, I knew there was something wrong with this guy when he walked into the theater. And they did like the, the turn off your cell phone. No talking. You'll ruin the movie. And the guy went, uh, well, my voice can only be one volume. And she's like, oh, no.
2: Like work, d- then do what normal people do in movies, and don't fucking talk. Yeah,
0: shut
1: the fuck up. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we're like, I don't know. It was the the only, the, truly the only thing that, that that could have made this worse. I mean, no one's going to see this unless they either really fucking love cats or really but, hate
2: themselves,
0: <laughs> or because they know exactly what's about to happen in front of them. So them being so like mystified and perplexed at the bizarre decisions. That like Tom Hoop like this is, you know, there's lots of common ways to kill yourself, and I feel like Tom has invented like a new way to commit career suicide. <laughs> He's just like I'm gonna jump down a pit of fireworks, and uh, yeah.
2: You might checked its box office numbers yet. I'm super curious because I've <laughs> I feel like I might miss it by like fifty million dollars. <laughs> if I was the guess.
0: Uh, I'm guessing that it's budget was probably in like the 150 to $200 million range. God. And I would bet that it is like a hundred million in box office. What's your guess
2: on those numbers breezy?
1: Uh, I'll guess that it cost about 60 million to make. I don't know. And cause it's like, well, there's a lot of CGI. It looks pretty bad in this right <laughs> So maybe, maybe they didn't hire the best CGI guys. Oh, it's, it's, it's,
0: it's real bad. Like the, the lighting is a, is a, is a sincere problem. There's fluorescent lighting, which isn't reflected on characters' faces. There are shadows, which are cast that make no sense. And there's
2: why? Why put shadows in if you can't put them in? The... Just leave them out.
0: And the main, the main character, Victoria, her like dance style is ballet. In in like real life, the actor plays her too. Um, but so like she'll like do. Some ballet maneuver where she'll like stop and point her toe, and you can see her kind of slide a little, like left oh, no. and then right. She's like shaking. Like they don't have It's like this. watching showgirls on TBS. Yeah, they just don't. They they don't have it anchored correctly. Like right. the background to
2: what she's doing on the green screen, it's bad. Hundred million dollar budget. It's made forty three point
1: six million worldwide. I was gonna guess forty. I was okay. guessing sixty and forty. Nice. Well, that's not really as bad as I thought it would be.
2: Yeah, but it's, to 40, it's, it's, is probably, it's probably done. If you don't make half your budget. Yeah. Who who's, who hasn't seen Cats that is like, can't wait to see Cats?
0: The 40 people in the theater we were in.
2: Yeah, but they saw it. That's my <laughs> point. They I didn't see it, see it again. Okay. <laughs> then, uh, I'm curious, though. Did, did Kelly like it a bunch? Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I feel I'm, like you're like, scared to talk to her about it. Uh, <laughs> she has... <laughs>
0: She has so issues with it... Some
2: stuff I just do want to find out about people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she has issues with it that I think are unique to people who love the musical. Okay. So, just a preview. They combined two cats. Sexually? Uh, no, the way that they, in like a movie like, like Bombshell, they create an amalgamation character to uh, represent okay. something. Okay. But so they combined two cats to be... <clears throat> Like one in the movie, but they use the makeup of the other and the name of the other, but they take like the, the song I don't know. It's it's strange, but like Kelly has seen it so much that she knows what the makeup's supposed to look like for the cats. And then when one was like, I'm magical Mr. Mistopheles, and then the makeup was different, she was like, That's fucking weird.
2: The tub tugger."
0: It's a rum tum tugger. Oh, oh that's, uh, uh, that's why you had your phone. At. Yeah, I had to look it up. <laughs> I don't know any of that shits. Um But then there's stuff that she liked about it. Uh, didn't didn't like the switch from of old Deuteronomy from a male and a female only because not because it's a female, but because Dame Judi Dench doesn't really sing. It changes all like the powerful like ballads that old Deuteronomy sings into kind of like whispered sing songy uh, numbers.
2: Was Rebel Wilson horrifying?
0: Yeah, she was awful. Everything about her part was the worst. All right. um, she's the gumpy cat, uh, Jenny any dots, and she's
1: <laughs> I understood. Cat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she's the she's the fat layabout cat who just gets doted on and but she still thinks that she's going to be selected uh, for the jellical choice to go up to the heavyside layer. I feel like every time you say a cat name you're like visible soul
1: comes <laughs> out of your mouth. <laughs> this Listening to Chris talking about cats is, and like character names, is like it's like when Ashley plays the Sims and doesn't turn it down, so it just sounds like Simspeak. speak. Simoleon. Yeah. yeah. It's like Jellicle, Jellicle cat. Rum Tum Tugger. But I'm sorry,
0: uh, eh? It was fine distraction. I'm just glad
2: that if it gets nominated, I don't have to watch it because Chris already
0: did. <laughs> I'm not falling on my sword on this one. I, that's not why I saw it. No, I know.
2: <laughs> I really,
1: I really want a Reddit conspiracy theory as to why Cat sucks so bad. Where it's like, unfortunately, due to China, we had to take out all the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, speaking of ghosts, fucking like Ryan Johnson ruined Cat somehow.
0: Speaking, <laughs> speaking of ghosts, uh, the uh, new song in it is good.
2: Yeah, it's it's that's Taylor where its nomination would be, obviously.
0: No, <laughs> it's uh the Francesca Howard, Francesca Howard is that her name? Um, but it's it's the it's the main character, Victoria's song, mm. uh, and she sings, It's called like uh like beautiful ghosts or something, dancing with beautiful ghosts. Um, but it is it's done well, so oh,
1: so it does have ghosts. Uh, kind of. <laughs> it's probably that's it's not killing it <laughs> <you> in China. <laughs>
0: um, but. Yeah, that's uh that's all I'm really gonna talk about today. Um Did
1: anybody see any good movies? We've talked about a lot of bad movies. Uh, I, I saw a couple. I've got a few, but I'll
2: skip a couple that were like I watched six underground, I think Chris did too. Nothing to talk about there.
0: Yeah, and like I watched Pretty Runs Marathon, I know it's one you really liked, but you know, I would echo some of the same thoughts that you had.
2: Did I talk about that movie on the podcast? I don't think I did. I you did. <sighs> no, I didn't. We're gonna have to save it for our top tens then. It's it's probably going to be in my, like, 10. We'll at least have it as honorable mention, if not. We'll save it. Uh, But I watched a couple of movies that are still in theaters. I watched uh, Bombshell. It's the uh, Fox News sexual assault story. Hmm. uh, Well, not Fox News. Legally, not Fox News, anyway. Um, The Roger Ailes? Yep. Uh, Sexual assault story. Um... That movie is produced by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell, and it is trying hard to be the big short or Vice. and doesn't really hit. Yeah. I get a movie four and a half stars. It's really good, but that is almost completely due to the performances of the four leads. Um, Charlie Sterren is unbelievably good. Uh, Margaret Robbie is ridiculously good and a totally fictional character. Yeah. She's like a current, hot, young intern. Uh, she's not an intern. She's an employee but not an on-camera personality for Fox who mm-hmm. is actively getting sexual assaulted. Charlie Stern plays Megan Kelly. Um, Nicole Kidman plays Gretchen Carlson. Is that okay. her name? She's the one who like started the whole thing, the first to sue. And uh, John Lithgow is absolutely fantastic, as he almost always is, as Roger Bales. Um Really good, though. A Really deep cast. Kate McKinnon's great. Connie Britton plays Roger L. 's wife. She's great. Um, the performances are incredible in a movie that's under 100 minutes long. Hmm. Uh, minus the credits. I think it's like 102 minutes or something like that. Nice. Um, and if people don't like the movie because of its fictional, fictionalized elements, they dislike the movie before it starts. Because they straight up tell you before the movie starts with an on-screen
0: like, this is a fictionalized, this movie is a version, a of fictionalized version
2: of what happened. We added stuff in for dramatic effect only. So, those people should have walked out then, is my main point with that. Hmm. And I think that's why a lot of the fan hate is coming from. Because um, they definitely do take uh, the scene that really happened not that long ago and add some fictional elements into it. But yeah, It works for a little bit of it, it's just uh, a lot of it doesn't. Um, like I said the performances alone were worth worth the watch cool Charlie Stern is just incredible as Megan Kelly really really good
1: she's a good actress that's not surprising no
2: not at all also like unrecognizable like the movie's going to win a make lost Oscar I'm pretty sure she disappears into roles too very yeah, easily really well yeah um also watched uh, probably the most talked about movie right now awards season wise or, or period outside of uh, Star Wars Cats. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Uncut Gems. I went and saw. Safety Brothers.
1: Yeah. So <coughs> uh, your first Safety Brothers? Did you see Good Time?
2: I didn't see Good Time. No. Uh, this movie's crazy, and y'all don't know what it's about. I'm just gonna unless you read the plot, you have no idea. Nope. The trailers tell you nothing. Um, it's really good. It is. I'm gonna say by far, and I've seen Punch Drunk Love and Spanglish and Billy Madison. <laughs> uh, Adam Sandler's best acting performance, like by far that I've ever seen. I don't think he will. He's got a shot, but he definitely should be nominated on what I've seen for best lead actor. It was super convincing as a like asshole Jewish guy in the Diamond District in New York. This is like, I don't know how to describe him other than, like, he wears satin shirts all the time. You know, that guy. Yeah. Has too much jewelry on. Um, He's great, though. And uh, really weird, good performance from Kevin Garnett, uh, who would be, like, third or fourth build in the movie. And he's good. <laughs> Playing a weird, fictionalized version of himself. Yeah. Who's really into, like, mood rings? <laughs> Like, I really can't. I don't know how else to fucking talk about it. It's, <laughs> it is weird. Lucky Stanfield is as good as he ever is. Um, uh, it is a bizarre movie that I don't want to talk about too much plot-wise because I hope y'all have a chance to see it soon. Yeah. Um, it's just fucking wild. Yeah. It definitely makes me want to see... Good Time? Yeah. For sure. Good Time is very good. Yeah,
0: I would recommend Good Time as well.
1: Yeah.
2: It, I don't get the... Level of hype by some people. Like, people are saying it's, like, a top ten movie of the decade. Yeah. Um, I don't really get that as much, but it is a wild fucking ride. It is well-paced. It is a good example, J.J. Abrams, Disney, of a movie that has a lot going on and still that does it well. Yeah. Um, I kind of got that vibe from Good Time, too, from y'all
1: talking about it. Like, it is a non-stop ride that is done well.
2: Yes. Uh,
1: Ride feels, like, maybe... It's almost the right word. Ride. It's it's more just like descent. <laughs> it's not yeah. Good, okay, yeah. That's but, what this is. Yeah.
2: Cassandra said it was a very fast-paced serious man. Okay. That's how it felt to her. Yeah. Where it's just like nothing fucking goes right for this guy. But there's action. It's yeah. It's not just like you know Coen Brothers talk. Yeah. Um, but absolutely go see Uncut Gems. If for nothing else then it is a fucking fun movie to talk about for hours on end after you've seen it. Um, weird, weird fucking movie. Sweet, yeah. That's all I'll talk about today.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm holding some in reserves too. Um, do we have any uh breezy we want to talk about? I got something. What you got? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw uh, a trailer drop for a movie that I know we never asked the question why is this happening, but I want to ask you guys: Did you see the trailer for A Quiet Place Part Two?
1: Yeah. No. I mean, I was aware that it came out. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, why is there a sequel to this movie? I mean, it's why not though? Yeah, it's well, it's money, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, like, no. Like, I seriously, I like Why handcuff yourself into not making movies that you think are good? Unless we think John Krasinski is purposely making a bad movie just for money.
1: Well, not purposely trying. My guess is he got offered a lot of money and was like, I'll do my best. I don't think so at all. I don't think he would
2: make something and release it if he thought it was
0: not great. I think I think he probably was a little bit of the Adam Sandler, David Spade, Kevin James, Chris Rock thing where he was like, I'm going to make another movie with my wife. Why would I say no to that? I think that I think that's probably, like even if it's just 10% of it, a factor. Um, since a lot of the press he did for A Quiet Place, one is how he absolutely loved directing his wife mm-hmm. and how uh, she's the best actress he's ever worked with. Um, so if you've already got a property with her, why wouldn't you just keep building that property out instead of making it another, a different John Krasinski, uh, Emily Blunt? Yeah. yeah uh, vehicle. Um, that being said, with the trailer... I'm interested to know what they do with it If they are making a sequel Because it looks like we get some Day one stuff Yeah And then we get some kind of The Walking Dead After Rick escapes the hospital And he finds out that there are zombies everywhere And he's lived in solitude People are the bad guys People are the bad guys Um, And if that's the direction it takes Kind of like Last of Us style Like Neat Like that's a different story to tell If it is another, we've got to be really quiet, like, I will be less excited about it.
2: Yeah. And from the trailer, it looks like they they fixed that a little. Yeah. There's definitely more talking in this one than there was in the first movie. Yeah.
0: Because I don't don't think you can tell a sequel the same way. No. Because you can't do another quiet family drama at this point.
2: Yeah. And I don't mean to, like, shit on y'all for a while. this movie get made? I've just listened to an interview with John Krasinski where immediately the studio offered... Like wanted to do a sequel and immediately he was like I've got to have the right story um, so I think he put some thought into it sure and I think he thinks that it is a good script um, and if he thinks it's a good script if I can make the movie because if it's bad I just want to watch it yeah <laughs> and if it's good I'd love to see it
0: I just think I think the, the question is given the ending of the first movie like narratively how do you make a sequel and the only way that we'll know is by seeing it sure but,
1: there are definitely ways though. I, don't, I yeah. don't think it's like impossible. It's happened before. Like I, th- I, th- I thought, for example, I thought John Wick was a pretty great standalone movie example. that didn't that didn't need a sequel. Yeah, there was nothing from John Wick where I was just like, I need more. Right. Where or it's if like anything. I, th- I was like, oh, I need a break. I need <laughs> no more. Of yeah. But they, you know, they had an interesting story to tell with with part two. Right. So, um.
0: So, if, so if in, in this, not to jump in and put words in your mouth, but if they if they give us the questions that they want to have had us ask in, like, the trailers or in the whatever building up to the second movie... Right. Cool. But I feel like there's that legwork that needs to happen, to some extent.
1: Yeah, it's sort of, like, on them at this point. It's just like, well, I mean, it always is, but it's like, you know, like... I... Have no problem with them making a sequel. I just left the first movie completely satisfied. Yeah, and so at this point, it's just sort of a all right, What do you got? Like, yeah, I'm. It's right. not a sequel I was ever wanting. Right. Or holding my breath for.
0: Not mad at for existing. But right. I didn't 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 really ex- expect it to happen. Right. Yeah. Which which made the which made the trailer drop super surprising to me. Maybe my ear's just not low enough to the ground. But. I'd heard about it
2: so only because I listened to this Hollywood Reporter reviews right. podcast. And that's had talked about it on that. But yeah. Um, it is definitely something that is bizarre that it is happening for this indie movie to have. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know what I call it an indie movie, but it probably is technically. Yeah. But um, for that movie, that was like so surprising. It came out of nowhere and I think made a few of our top tens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To have a sequel so quick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like they went. Straight from the success of that into just right back on set. Well, that's yeah. the thing, I think, when you're Krasinski
2: and you, like, produce, write, and direct, and star in your movie, and it does that well, he was like, I don't have to do anything for a little while. <laughs> I just made millions of dollars. And also, my wife <laughs> yeah, was in fucking Mary Poppins, so we're good. <laughs> uh, any other Brazies? Golden Globes just happened, so... We'll yeah. talk about that on next week's podcast, not the next podcast. But uh, Oscars are coming up soon, and the nominations will be out, I guess, next Monday, yep. as you're hearing this. Um, and then, well, I guess one podcast, from two podcasts from now, we'll have our year-end list. If it yeah. goes according to planned. Yeah. That'll be out next week. Man, yeah. it's really hard talking about the future when you're not there, when yeah. you want to be. And... Uh, uh, just just a show
0: note uh, later this week we will be dropping another episode where we'll talk about our predictions for Oscar nominations and then later on in the year uh, before the Oscars we will do our typical kind of rounding up what we think is going to win each nomination from the movies that do get nominated yeah, um, look for that like first week of February probably I'm yeah because the Oscars themselves are the second week of February second I think, I think, I think February 19th I was, was gonna that? say
2: 15th but oh. Yeah. I know that there's, that there's a, a, Sunday the a little under
0: five weeks between the nominations coming out and the awards ceremony. So. Right. Stay tuned. We talk about Oscar shit.
2: TJ, you Want to decide what you want to watch this weekend?
0: I want you to tell me what to watch this weekend.
2: we got a few movies coming out. Uh, four movies. Uh, two coming out for the first time. Two expanding. Uh, Underwater is coming out this weekend. That is the uh, Kristen Stewart movie where she has to walk across the bottom of the ocean. No. And it's scary. There are monsters. Sea monsters. Okay. Oh, yeah,
0: so,
1: what's she wearing?
2: <laughs> huh? She's in a wheelchair. I'm just kidding. Bear <laughs> Wang. Bear Wang. It's what I was gonna say. A better joke. Well, they're like at a deep sea. They're a they squad that's. A been, they're supposed to be down there. Okay. Yeah, they're scientists at the bottom of the ocean, and they, and have, then to, they have to get from A to B, and they have to go outside to do it. And then they go to a planet where they only gamble. I don't know, Brent. They're wearing science. <laughs> Fake bullshit science. The movie looks pretty bad. Okay. Uh, you also got... He just likes
0: Kristen Stewart and was like, is this a movie that I should see?
2: Bryn's only <laughs> likes Kristen Stewart. No, that's not that. Yeah. I said he. Oh, no, no, yeah, you don't need to see this. Don't pick that one. It
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, looks like... He looking his face. It looks like it's going to yeah, uh, Like a Boss. Anybody heard of this movie? No. I've seen the trailer so many fucking times the past couple of weeks uh, at movies, like in the theater. It's the uh, Tiffany Haddish, Rose Byrne. Uh, comedy where some Hayek buys their makeup. Oh yeah, yeah. It looks yeah. like it's like horrible bosses, pretty much, but yeah. with with women. Nope. Yeah. Next, next. <laughs> Just Mercy is a movie that was supposed to get Oscar buzz and is now getting Oscar buzz. Jamie Fox, Michael B. Jordan, and Brie Larson are uh, Jamie Lee uh, Jamie Lee Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Foxx goes to jail for a crime he uh, looks like didn't commit. Michael B. Jordan. Uh, is a lawyer Judge. who goes to oh. help him. Brie Larson is a like looks like a reporter who's also on the side of not evil. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's based on a true story about a guy who served like thirty four years or something in Mississippi and then got released. Hmm. Um, okay. And then nineteen seventeen expands this week as well. Oh. Um, That's the first movie I've heard of. I'm going to pick that one. <laughs> I'm going to pick, I've heard of all these movies sadly, but I'm going to pick 1917 as well. It looks really good. I'm going to pick Jamie Foxx in prison. <laughs> just
0: the concept of that? Yeah. <laughs> Not the movie Just Mercy, but you want Jamie Foxx I want.
1: I want Jamie Foxx to finally go to jail. He knows what he did. <laughs> um,
0: We're coming for you, Jamie. It's a great
1: cast for that movie. It's a good cast, and I don't know, uh, 1917, I'm, I don't know. I feel like it's homework. Yeah. Like it's... I get that. sort of like... Have you watched... I know you're... you're, We just did Dunkirk like two years ago, and it's like, yeah, well done with the long cut and everything, but... Well, even though it's not, but...
0: Colin Firth gives a speech in a bunker. We haven't seen him do that in a while.
2: (laughs) Um, Did you... Have you seen that trailer? Yeah. Okay. My, My only ask because my opinion on that movie... Changed a lot when I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, it looks better than I thought it would. The director of Just Mercy, though, just FYI, is like Brie Larson's personal director. He did Short Term 12 and The Glass Castle. Um, so, so one of those movies was good. Wonderful, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> too. But I think that's it.
0: Well, cool. We'll go see 1917 or see Just Mercy. Uh, don't waste your time with the other two. Although Underwater Spooky Ghost and Kristen Stewart sounds like she found her people. Um <laughs> This has been Talky Talk Podcast from MediaBus.com. You can find us on Facebook at our groups, Bias, Movies Bias. You can tweet at us at the Bias. You can send us email at gmail.com uh, Give us a rating on your favorite podcast snatching app like iTunes. We would really appreciate that. Want to give a special thanks to the Willow Walkers for intro music. Thank you, Willow Walkers. And special thanks to Burifa for the outro music. You're welcome. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, TJ. Bye. Bye.
1: Kicking rocks down old dusty roads, small towns, slow pokes, long time ago, kicking out records of all the things that I know, all the things that I know.